Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. And no, I am not this fucking excited. I am actually really, really sad. I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. Like, god damn it. Just, how, how, how are we here after all this time? There's only one way to find out. And that's by asking my friends, my colleagues. Let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with... Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. So I need to send out an apology for everyone who lived in the South before I did for making fun of them about not being able to tolerate the cold. I've been here for six months, and I gotta say, guys, the cold down here is different than the cold up there, and I have no idea why. Talk enough, no, it's not. No, it's, it's not. not. No, I listen. <laughs> listen, I'm a person who likes cold weather. I don't put on a jacket until it's 40 degrees. I keep my house at 65 year round, except for here in Georgia, where my heat is on 72 and I'm still shivering. You know what happened? You got old. Well, I've been old. <laughs> But just last year, just last year, I was totally fine in the cold. Cold? I'm telling you, it's different down here. It's different. I, I just think being down south has made Steph weak. Simple as that. Agreed. Weak Listen. sauce. Listen. A softer people Listen. down there. <laughs> Listen. There are a lot of things that I have been called in my life. Weak has never been one. Well, there's a first time for everything, Steph. Now you're a southerner. Hey, Charlie. Yep. Hey, Charlie. Yep. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hi, it's me, Charlie O'Connor, who covers the Philadelphia Flyers, this fantastic hockey team. Um, So there are a lot of things right now, um, you know, a lot of reasons, legitimately really good reasons to be mad at the Philadelphia Flyers. But one thing I will say is that let's make sure that we're getting mad for actual reasons and not <laughs> reasons that are just completely and totally asinine, such as people who I am seeing more and more yelling that the Flyers are so dumb because they let Ryan Hartman leave because Ryan Hartman is scoring goals for the Minnesota Wild this year. And that's just another example of how the Philadelphia Flyers are this failing franchise and everyone does better when they're away from the Flyers. Need I remind you, Ryan Hartman has not been on the Flyers for three seasons. He was on the Flyers last in 2018-2019 for like 18 games. He wasn't very good. Then he got traded to Dallas for Tyler Pitlick. Dallas then proceeded to not sign him. He went to Minnesota for two seasons. He was 
perfectly fine. A perfectly fine bottom sixer, which honestly is exactly what Tyler Pitlick was for the Flyers the one year they had him, and that was a trade they made. This year, Ryan Hartman's scoring goals, and that's cool. And good for Ryan Hartman. I am happy for him. It's great that he's doing well in Minnesota. However, he's scoring goals because he's shooting at 18%. He has 12 goals with an 18% shooting percentage. If he was scoring at his career shooting percentage, which is around 9, he would have 6 goals. And then he would have 10 points at 21 games, and no one would be talking about Ryan Hartman. So there's a lot of really good reasons to be mad about the Flyers. Let's not make stuff up that really isn't a good reason to be mad about the Philadelphia Flyers. Ryan Hartman doesn't matter, guys. Six goals would be second most on the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, and I'm sure he would score six goals if he was on the Philadelphia Flyers this year. Definitely. I I didn't realize it had been three years since he was here. 2018, 2019 was when he was on this team. It was that bad year. The year that uh, they fired everybody the last time. Fun. Well. Love that. Uh, Wait. Pause. I forgot the the punchline of why I was talking about the weather. So, you may ask why I was talking about the weather on a Philadelphia Flyers podcast. It's because I don't want to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, that's what I assumed. I assumed that was the reason. We just didn't want to talk about the Flyers. No, that was totally the reason. (laughs) I just, like, had been building up to this all day and completely forgot the punchline. See, I thought it was a punchline that almost didn't even need to be spoken because it was just understood. Yeah. That, like, every would second it, it spent not on the Flyers. Way? Maybe. Well, it would have been, like, you know, the people who read between the lines may have found it funnier. But we made yeah. it explicit, and that's fine, because now everybody could be in on the joke, and that's good. Okay, thank you. I you will say... Ch- new material. <laughs> you know. I will say, Charlie, while specifically Ryan Hartman is no reason to be upset, you you uh, you categorized him as a perfectly fine bottom sixer. He and Tyler Pitlick both fit that role. I enjoyed watching both of them in their short stints here. Um, this team could really use now. It could really use a lot of things, but like good players in any role, they they could use, including the bottom six and their inability to evaluate. Like, oh, he's better than um. Whoever the fuck we're gonna bring up, because all of our all of our prospects are bad. Uh, their inability to evaluate that is like part of the reason they're gonna have a top five pick this year. Well, I mean, in fairness, it's not necessarily that they're bad at evaluating prospects. It's that they evaluated prospects that they think are ready to be NHL bottom sixers, and then they all got hurt, and now they can't play. So, like. I think that, like, Wade Allison and Tanner Lezinski would be perfectly fine in NHL bottom sixes. Unfortunately, they can't play hockey because they both got hurt before the season starts. And that sure. really stinks. But, like, there's, like only, there's only so many viable NHL bottom sixers that you can fit under the cap and keep sure. on your NHL roster. The Flyers signed Derek Broussard, who honestly looks like a perfectly viable NHL bottom sixer. Guess what? He's hurt, too. Fun times in Flyerland, gang. Liz, They're doing great. Last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Someone in one of our iTunes reviews called me Daria. And I was really surprised to hear it because I'm always the one that's like, like almost obnoxiously positive about this stupid hockey team in a way that's almost a little bit stupid, if I'm being honest with myself. (laughs) So I don't, I really don't want to lean in to it. 
But I'm just, uh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. I, I don't like that the nerds were apparently correct. I don't like that nothing seems to have been fixed over the last 10 years of my life. It's just, uh, I feel broken now. I don't like it. I liked it better when I was being obnoxiously optimistic about the state of the hockey team. And I would like them to make it better again. This is something that I've been thinking about a lot over the past two weeks. Um, And it did not stem from an iTunes comment. (laughs) I because shouldn't have read those. Don't they, read those comments. They like I don't they're know so they like funny. to say that the show is better without me, and that makes me sad. Um I, I, I'm trying to get perspective on the Flyers, right? Because right now it feels real bad. And it feels like it feels like we've been here before. Yeah. Literally for all of our lives. <laughs> this it just it feels bad and it feels the same. So the perspective that I'm trying to get is, one, they've played, what, like three games at full health? Or was it two? two. I think two. No, one. Well, oh, there you go. Well, well, I, well I guess if you, if, you count, if you count the Dallas game, yeah, that was pretty close to full health. Although, like, I'm not even sure if I would count that because... Well, actually, no. It was just the one game. It was just the Dallas game because the, there was the uh, there was the Boston game when they had Ellis, but Hayes wasn't back. The Dallas oh, game yeah. was the game they had Ellis and Hayes, but honestly, they were both probably playing at like sixty percent. And it at the Hayes got hurt the next game, but Ellis probably re-injured himself at some point during that game, so he wasn't himself anyway. So really, functionally, it's zero. Technically, it's one. Right. So I'm I'm the perspective that I'm trying to have around this team is we've seen one game where they were kind of at full strength. And that's it. And they still are doing okay. Horrible. As as far as no, horrible. As as far as in the the standings no, and the record goes. No, they're not. Nope. Okay. Not good. Are we are second from the bottom in the Metro now, I think? Yeah, the the Islanders are worse. I mean, yeah, the Islanders also they're have behind like, the their, half their team has COVID. I was gonna say their team has COVID, so they have a reason. And they and soon they, they won't have COVID. And they spent their first what like seventeen games without a home game. Yeah. So <laughs> if any if anybody has a reason to, to to complain, it's them. I mean, they're they've gotten totally well, screwed over. Fuck them. But also, I've been thinking a lot about the teams that we've had for the past 10 years, like the guys who were on it and it feels the same, but is it the same? And I just keep going back to the talent that's on this team is better than what we had 10 years ago. If 10 years ago, absolutely well, not. Well, no, not maybe like seven years ago. Yeah. 10 I'll go, the, I'll the go team, with seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, the teams oh, yeah, 10 years ago were pretty was, damn good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go seven years ago. Let's look at these 2015, 16, 17 teams. They were bad. Yeah. They yeah. were bad. I mean, being yeah. were, being better than a team that was purposely not trying to be very good, like, ain't that yeah. great. You know? Like, the, That's the general point. manager of those teams was trying not to add NHL players to it. Well... 
I don't know about that. He might have been trying to and might have just been picking some really, really bad Except for RJ there. fucking Umberger. Yeah, sure. Uh, other than him, I mean, like, they weren't trying to add NHL players. I was going to say, I, I feel like he even add? That was, like, a bad add. Like, he didn't do no, anything. I, I, I think he thought Dale Weiss was good. Oh, and he fuck. thought RJ Umberger was good. And Please, let us great. remember Boyd Gordon. Boyd Gordon, he thought he was good. I mean, oh, like... No. A, let, let, let's not let's not let Ron Hexel off the hook on that front. Like it wasn't that he was purposely trying to add bad players; is that he was trying to add players he thought were good and that they were actually bad. That's kind of what happened. I forgot about half of those people. They were so bad. Boyd oh, Gordon boy. scored the first goal that one season. I remember now. He sure did. I will never ever forget that ever. Now, uh, you know, oh boy, you know what the real sick part of all of this is? What's that, Bill? There are some people who really still care so much. I did ninety. We're, po- we're doing a podcast about it, Bill. <laughs> so I did. I did ninety six. Yeah, minutes. I don't think that's the dunk you think it is. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, what do you? I don't know what you're saying. I don't. I don't I'm not trying to dunk on anybody. Like I did ninety six minutes on the post game last night. The goal is usually about forty five. Sometimes I'll go an hour, hour five. We did an hour and 36 minutes. We had so many callers. And these people weren't even mad. They were all people who just bought in. They were people who believed the idea that last year, if it wasn't for the goaltending and COVID, the team was actually going to be good. And, you know, everyone who bought this, oh, it was the mix in the locker room. The combinations on the ice weren't right. We were fucking lied to. The team is bad. The team is bad. They don't have nearly enough talent to compete with shit. Some of the mediocre teams in the league, let alone the actually good ones, everybody should be fired. This is a failure on all levels. As we're talking about your post game, can you please just tell our listeners here how they can call in and how they can listen live? Yeah, you uh, you got to download the Spotify Green Room app. It's not just Spotify; it's Spotify Green Room. Uh, you'll be notified when I go live. You join, and then you just request to speak, and I'll get to you. It's funny every time you Thank talk you. about Green Room, I laugh because there's a good dive bar in my neighborhood called Green Room, and every time you say it, I'm like, "Why the fuck would you do your thing at Green Room?" And then I realize it's an app and not a place. I mean, if they That's paid my me, story. I'd go. I mean, yeah, it's not that far. <laughs> but it's just, I feel... All right, so back to us being lied to. Yeah. We've been lied I don't to. Think, I mean, I don't think we were bamboozled. lied to. I don't think anyone was lied to. Like, the Flyers... Th- that's one thing I've run into in my comment section over the last couple weeks, is there's... It, it goes back to something. It goes back to something that I noticed during the Ron Hextall tenure. Specifically... The Andrew McDonald thing. And I'm going back to that whole thing where, like, the idea that the only reason why Andrew McDonald's playing is because he has to play in a certain amount of games so he can be exposed in the expansion draft. Oh, God. And that was a thing for a while. And what what I came to the conclusion back then, what was the driving force, the driving, under, driving underlying force behind that belief was that there's a lot of people who find it hard to accept that sometimes there isn't some like three-dimensional chess deep conspiracy explaining why things that you disagree with either are or aren't happening. Sometimes the people in charge just think they're doing the right thing and they're just wrong. 
And I'm seeing that pop up again now because there's a lot of people who think, and they they, they they spin this because there's a lot of people, understandably, and I get this frustration, a lot of people that are understandably very ticked off with the business side of the Flyers, specifically season ticket holders that feel like they're not treated as well as they used to be under the, the Ed Snyder Comcast era. So that's there. And then they look at the Flyers, and they're mad that the team isn't good. And they come to the conclusion that the only way the team will be good again is if they blow it up, are bad for three years, and rebuild. And then they say the only reason why the Flyers aren't doing that is because Comcast knows that that's the only way the Flyers would actually have a chance of being good, but they won't do it because Comcast doesn't want to lose the money, so they're going to just stay mediocre forever. And the truth of the matter is, is that the reason why the Flyers haven't blown it up is because the people in charge think this team can still be good. Now, they might be wrong, but there isn't some big conspiracy theory here. It's just that Chuck Fletcher came into this offseason thinking that if he changed the mix and kept the coaching staff and made some strategic additions, this team could either contend or at least be close enough to contention that, you know, maybe next offseason they could make another couple moves that push them to that point. Now, Right now, it's looking like he was wrong. Now, the season isn't over. There's always the chance they turn this around. Maybe, you know, maybe they just turn this around miraculously. Maybe they fire a bunch of people and then the new regime turns it around miraculously. It's not over, but it doesn't look good right now. But that doesn't change the fact that, like, it's not like there's some big conspiracy theory that's meant to take your money. The reason why the Flyers do what they do is because they think it's the right way to make a winning team. Now, they might be wrong. Yeah, and they're wrong, but they're so not, they should but, be fired because they're, 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 they're bad. But they're bad at their jobs, so they They're not help. lying to you. They're not lying to you. They just might be bad and wrong. There's, Are, there's either, a very clear distinction I, between nobody, the two. I, I really don't know, like, what we're talking about, conspiracy theories or anything. Like, you, just, you just spent, like, the last five minutes yelling that we're being lied to. We're not being lied to. Yeah. It was just bad. They said we'd be better, and it was all the reasons they gave us. Their reasons were, were in... Their reasons <laughs> were incorrect, whether it was purposeful to say the wrong thing or not. Their reasons were incorrect, so they gotta fucking go, because they're terrible. I mean, sure, but there's a difference between being wrong and lying. You can tell Who cares? the truth to be wrong. Who cares about the difference? I do. They fucking suck! <laughs> I think that it's very, very funny that Bill is the one screaming after talking about how people still care about this team. I'm one of them! <laughs> that's what's sick about <laughs> that's, it! That's why it's funny. That's yeah. what's sick about it, is that we actually care, and you know who sure doesn't? Do. Those fucking people, the ones who don't have the conspiracy against us, they are fine being mediocre. That's very obvious. Because Elaine Vigneault is still the coach, all this shit is still going on, nothing has changed after all this time. Since well, the can, start can of the bubble. Fuck? No, I'm still going. Since the start of the bubble in August 2020, the Flyers are 43, 37, and 12. To put that another way, they've won 43 of their last 98 games. This is a bad fucking team coached by a bad coach. What, what are we doing here? Why are we just, why are we sitting on our hands? Well, I was going to ask what your solution is. So Fire everybody, AD start gone? over. Do you want Chuck gone? Yeah. From, like, at what level? So, coaches, oh, I, coaches, general manager? I think I would Bill like just to, wants blood. I would like to see the team sold, but I'll stop at Dave Scott. Okay. Yeah, Bill just wants blood. This is like Game of Thrones, yeah. head spikes walls. 
I mean, it's crazy to not want I mean, it I after all this time of irrelevance. After all these I'm years so, of irrelevance. Like, I'm not yelling the way that Bill is, but I think that it's really, really important for me to say I'm so sick of watching this fucking team that yeah. is the same misery year over year. Now, th- it, their, their problems have shifted from where they, they couldn't stop a goal on the PK before to where our PK is now a strength. I mean, it's been and okay. And now they just can't. It's been okay. What was that? It's been, it's okay. been the best thing. Yeah, which it's, is it's, a very it's low not bar. bad right yeah. now. I wouldn't say it's like <laughs> great, but it's it's like. No, no, no. It's been not bad. We're, we're looking at the whole bag of tricks that the Flyers present. And the one strength that they have is, I guess, the PK. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, outscoring the power play. Sucks. Yeah, sucks. Man, sucks. French Mike, gotta go. Like, Like yesterday. How do you you sit here? Let's leave Elaine Vigneault alone for the moment. Let's forget about Chuck Fletcher for the moment. The power play just had a stretch where it went in the month of November. Three for 40. Three for 40. JVR, JVR should get hit in the dick with a puck three times in a month for a goal. Like, cup or no cup? Either way. The way he's playing, I don't think he needs to wear one, but. No cup. Yeah. Yeah. No cup. (laughs) Not a cup among them. I regret to inform. Like, how is there any sort of reason? Like, is there any sort? uh, What argument can they present to say, no, we need to stay the course? I mean, the argument that they can present, which is probably the one they will present if we do get access to, you know, Chuck Fletcher this week, um, which I'd like to. But yeah, where know. the fuck has Chuck Fletcher yeah. been? I mean, on vacay. Um, Doesn't want to get I mean, yelled at right well, now. Well, I mean, we'll 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 see if he's if he's yeah. going to talk this week. Um, what the the argument that will probably be made is that you know the injuries, the schedule. It's still early. They're not out of the race yet. Like they they are. That, that's the thing. Like as bad as this is, like these last six games have been awful on, on a lot of levels and really whole season process wise hasn't been very good although it's reached a whole new level of bad over the last week and a half um they're not really out of it so like i think they're only like f- four points out of like fourth like they're they're right and if if they were to snap their fingers and turn this around like this could just be a speed bump now i don't think they're going to but they still could so there is an element there's an argument you can make that like blowing it up right now is premature now i'm sympathetic to the argument that this ain't going to get better anytime soon but you can make a case that with the injuries with the schedule with the quality of competition and with the fact that their record isn't horrible that they don't have to do something right now does anyone else feel like we have heard that exact list of excuses no that's the thing is i know over again for the i know exactly i know exactly where that argument goes they will turn it around a little bit they'll get a wild card they'll lose in the first round they'll draft 17th and we'll be right back here next year going oh you know if carter hart turns into dominic hasek they could be contenders their path to competing with and defeating the elite teams in this league is 
impossible. Like a, a literal zero percent chance of happening in a seven game series, couple of times in a row. No, they have they they have so little talent, so little idea of what they're doing. What's their offensive plan right now? Their offensive plan is punt. Like, let's punt. We're going to get to the red line and punt the puck, and hopefully, maybe they'll cough it up and we'll get a breakaway. Like, that's not an offensive plan. That's well, bullshit. I mean, this is so this is coaching now. We're not yeah, talking yeah, about yes. the team, we're talking about coaching. Yeah. It's the entire organization. There's no plan. That, that's, that's an important point, I think, that Kelly is making because I'm not at the point yet. We're clearly Bill. Well, I mean, Bill is just in like literally light everything on fire mode. So I get that. Um, but. I'm not at the point where I think like that this team is devoid of talent. Yeah. I do believe that right now they are a mess structurally. They're not doing anything right. And I but I, I do think that the these players are capable of playing better than they are right now. And if you do think that Carter Hart is a very good goalie, you don't need to be like, you know, a fifty six percent play driving team to go far in the playoffs, you, you need to be a good one. Like, you still need to be, like, 52-53. And Are you saying nowhere, in the 30s and they're, they're nowhere, they're, they're nowhere near that right now. So, so but, in the 30s yeah. is bad. Yeah, I'm with Charlie. I am not... I don't think that we need to blow up the roster. I mean, they might. They might have to, but I don't think that's the first thing I, you do. I do. No, I do think <laughs> that they could probably benefit from some moves. I'm not saying do nothing with this roster. I'm saying, you know, the trade Giroux and start from scratch thing that we saw today. Like, that's not where I am. I'm at getting this there. Moment. I mean, fair. But I think that this coaching staff has reached what I always think of in my head as the LaViolette problem, where you have a system that you refuse to deviate from, but right now the players that you have on your hockey team aren't the right kind of players to play that system well. And unless you're willing to take a look at the guys that you have and think of a way for these guys to win hockey games rather than these are the X's and O's that I've drawn out on my little board. You guys fit into them and we're just going to keep fucking doing it until something changes. Like that's not going to work, obviously, because last year is no longer looking like a, a just a big fucking mess. It's starting to look like, oh, shit, this is a result of a whole bunch of choices made by the people in charge of this hockey team that are leading to players that we know are a higher level of talent than this, just not performing. See, I do. I, one, one thing I will say is I do think they actually have made some system changes. I just think they've actually kind of made things worse. <laughs> um, no, the, the, main thing I, the main thing I've noticed that's different about the Flyers this year versus the Flyers most of last year is, is their defensive zone play. And a lot of that boils down to, like, they, they've they never, under Vino, they've never been a super aggressive defensive zone. But they are even more passive this year than they were last year. And I think that's purposeful because I think there's definitely more of an emphasis upon letting the goalie see the shots. And like not, you know, not having is as many shots as they're giving up and as little time as they've had the puck, you're not seeing the ultra horrible glaring breakdowns 
that you saw a lot of last year that were leading to, you know, tapping goals and were having the goalies basically just completely lose confidence because there was no chance they were stopping that anyway. You haven't seen as many of those. You really haven't seen all that many of them, period. And I do think the goalies have played better. But I, I think part of it is that they've made some adjustments to the way they play defense to make life easier on the goalies. The problem is, is that by doing that, they don't have the puck as much. They never have because, the puck, yeah. Because they're playing passive, yeah. and the other team just cycles them to death, and then rather than try to you know make more risky plays, they're tossing the puck out to the neutral zone more, and then the other team's grabbing it and sending it right back in, and then they, again, never have the puck. So, like, I do think they've made some changes. I just don't think they've been the right changes. Now... There's a reasonable argument to be made, Bill, and this is in favor of your, like, everything is broken, lighted on fire, that maybe there isn't a solution with this group. You know, maybe maybe there's, you know, every, every adjustment you make is going to have trade-offs. It's going to have positives. It's going to have negatives. And maybe this particular group of players, goalies, defense, forwards, everything, maybe there is no trade-off in terms of system construction that will allow them to be a very good team. That's possible. I don't, I don't know for you know, sure, but it's possible. That's a theory. But I'm not going to go so far as to say the coaches haven't tried anything because I do think they've tried to make changes. I just don't think they've been the right ones, and they've led to this, which is the Flyers never have the puck, and they get outshot every game, and they get outchanced every game. So here's the thing that I don't understand because I, I read your article today, and what you just said was a large part of what you were talking about defense-wise. And you pointed out that if you're going to be an aggressive team defensively, if you're going to try to stand up the other team at the blue line, you do run the risk of getting burned and, you know, somebody going in and taking a shot on your goaltender. If we're at the point this season where I think it should be pretty obvious that we can trust the goaltenders, why not fucking try that? Why not have Risto standing guys up at the blue line? And if yeah. he gets burned, okay, you can trust Carter Hart to make a save because he's playing really, really well. It's not like last year where we have to shelter the goaltenders and make sure that they don't get any shots and we have to collapse all the way in because, oh my God, God forbid a shot on goal happens, it's definitely going to go in. Like, why aren't we doing something different given that the goaltenders, both of them, are playing exceptionally well? It doesn't make any sense to me. So I do think we're talking about a little bit talking about two different things here. What oh. I was talking about a few minutes ago was more about defensive zone structure and defensive zone play. The neutral zone play is interesting to me because, yeah, one thing, and I put this in the outline so I'll read it off, you know, the Flyers under Vino pretty much from the start, and it's one of the reasons why they've been able to – when they're playing well, survive the fact that they dump the puck in so much is because they force the other team to dump the puck in a lot. You know, they might only be generating controlled entries on 43% of their entries, but if the other teams only generate controlled entries on 42 or 43%, then it kind of works because it's an equation and you're just trying to outplay the other team. And really, for the most part of the of the first part of this year, they were doing that. I mean, they were, they were holding teams to around a 44% controlled entry. Over the last six Teams have been gaining the zone 55% of the time with control of the puck. And by my eye test, the reason for that is that this is just a team right now that has lost all confidence from the defense to the forwards. And if you're a defenseman and you don't have confidence in yourself, you're not going to challenge a guy at the blue line because you just, you're not feeling good about your game. And for you to do that, you got to feel good about your game. 
Plus, they're not getting any help from the forwards who ain't back-checking that well, especially over these last six games. And it's a lot easier to challenge a guy at the blue line when you can see your forward racing back to provide back pressure. So just in case you miss, you're not totally screwed because you got help coming from behind that might be able to erase your mistake. There's a lot of things wrong. That issue, I think, is more confidence than structure. But it's still a problem because I don't know how you get confidence back when you just keep losing. Mm-hmm. Well, this is uh, the confidence thing and losing confidence. That's what worries me right now. Yes, currently, they are not, quote unquote, out of it. However, we just went through a whole season where we saw shit spiral out of control. If something is not done, like, right now, that exact same thing is going to happen. Like, I, I, what, I, happens, I totally agree. what happens when Carter Hart has his first bump in the road and suddenly we're the worst team in the league? Like, yeah. th- that's all it's going to take is a bad two weeks from Carter Hart and we are in, like, fucking Ottawa territory. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Uh, right now, they're getting the goaltending. If they don't do something to stop this from fi- fire spiraling out of control we are looking at another wasted season in a long line of them yeah i just what would you change in the lineup in the oh lineup? in the lineup I mean, they have to kelly or charlie in the lineup yeah they have well, to make a know. trade yeah but it's it's like you probably it, how are you prob- making a trade right now yeah like who's trading with it's, you i mean jake debrusque is apparently available that's interesting you know, you know what the tough part about making a trade for me right now is, is that, I mean, look, in my mind, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something, it's it's got to be coaching related. If you're gonna do something, oh, that has to happen immediately. And and my thing is that if the only way I make a trade is if I've just decided that we're not making coaching changes this year, like any, because to me, like I don't want to trade for a guy. And then bring in a new coach and find out, oh, that guy just doesn't work for what that new coach wants to do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'd, I'd much rather, like, Jake DeBrusque, honestly, could work pretty well in a Vino system, I think. When he's mm-hmm. playing well, he's a chippy, relentless player, and he could be a good four checker, and he could work really well. But I don't know if I want to bring him in. If then in two weeks they're going to fire Vino and they're going to hire somebody else and then suddenly Jake DeBrusque doesn't fit as well. So, like, you, yeah. as an organization, you need to figure out what you're doing. And the first thing you need to figure out is what you're doing with this coaching staff. Because I'll be honest with you, like, I don't think Elaine Vino is a bad head coach. The the assistants, I mean, I'm, you know, Michelle Terrian has not coached they're a good power bad, play Charlie. since he's been here. But I don't think, I don't think Elaine Vino is a bad head coach. But at some point, you wonder if. It's just not going to work here. And you look at the numbers they produced during the six-game losing streak. I mean, they've got 39.6% of the shot attempts at 5-on-5. they got 37.8% of the expected goals at 5-on-5. Like, that's not just bad. That's horrifying. And that's over six games. Now, granted, six games isn't that small, isn't that large of a sample. But it's also not that small of one either. And even before then... They weren't doing that well. Before then, they were 49.7 shot attempts and 46.9 expected goals. Like, that's still bottom third of the league bad. They have went from bottom third of the league bad to bottom five teams in the league bad. And maybe the schedule gets easier, and naturally their numbers are going to get a little bit better. But, like, I don't care how good your goaltending is. You're not winning 
when you're getting four out of six, like, you know, four out of 10 shot attempts and four out of 10 expected goals, you're not going to win. You're just not. You're going to win a couple games here and there. And that's the kind of thing where you wonder if whatever message the coaching staff is trying to impart to this team, you got to wonder if it's just not hitting home anymore. I mean, it happens. It happens when, you know, a message just runs thin. And there was definitely some tension last season between the coaches and the players. There absolutely was. That That's that's a fact, particularly from what I've heard with the assistants. And the Flyers chose to bring them all back, and everybody said all the right things in camp. And Vino, to his credit, I think has actually been much more positive in terms of his, like, comments to the media about players like I think he's actually actively trying to be less dickish about his players publicly I think that's a that's a conscious decision on his part the thing is is that the results are still bad so like you can make as many cosmetic changes as you want if the results stink like the first thing you do when the results stink is that it's a lot easier to fire coaches than it is yeah. to trade everyone away. So to me, the first thing you got to decide if you're the Flyers is if you're going to make a coaching change. That, that's got to be the first thing. If you're not, and for some reason you're just convinced these guys will eventually figure it out, then you explore other avenues. But to me, that's the first thing because like these underlying results can't continue. And if they do, the Flyers are going to be one of the three worst teams in the league by the end of December. They just are. How can anybody in their right mind look at what's going on and go, yeah, coaches, they should, they should, they should be employed. Like, yeah, go how? Ahead. How can you come to that conclusion? It's, it's absolutely baffling to think, look, oh, I, yeah, I, Elaine, I, Elaine Vigneault, he deserves his job. Michel Therrien deserves his job. Like, that's fucking insane. I'd love to see, you know, next week... The process gets better. The Flyers start doing exactly what Elaine Vigneault had them doing from January through March of, of 2020. The power play starts working. That would be awesome. But it's just, it's getting harder and harder every day to have faith that the coaches will be able to help this group find the answers. It just is. I mean, the power play, at that point, I've just given up. I, I, I gave up a couple weeks ago that this coaching staff is going to figure out the power play. <laughs> I, I just, I've just resigned myself to the fact that, like, well, even if they figure the other stuff out, this team's just going to have a bad power play for the foreseeable future until they have a new coaching staff or an entirely new set of players. But five-on-five five play, I was like, maybe these guys can figure it out. And then things just got worse. And the longer they stay this bad, the less faith you can rationally have that this mix of coaches can figure out how to get these guys playing good quality five-on-five hockey. It's just a, I mean, it's, and I don't say that with any glee. It's just a fact. I have, I, I've been so beaten down by this team over the past forever that I've convinced myself that they're going to say, Elaine Vigneault hasn't had a full regular season until this one. We need to give him time and blah, 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 and COVID. And, and I've just convinced myself that that's what's going to happen. Every team so, in the league has those excuses. They're not operating in a, in a unique situation. Every team's been dealing with the same shit. The good ones are good. The bad ones are bad. Guess where the Flyers land? And also, over the summer, I think Chuck essentially said it's not the coaches, it's the players, which is why he went out and changed the mix of players. And that's what people have been yelling forever. 
that the players are the problem. The players are the problem. The team's not good enough. The mix is bad. People have shitty attitudes, whatever it was. Chuck went out and fixed that problem about as much as he could. Or at least he attempted to address it. He tried, yes. Yeah. So at this point, now you have to take the accountability up a notch. Like, you have to take it a step higher. If it's still not working after you've changed the mix, then you you have to change, you have to make a COVID. Like, there's just no way around it. And like Charlie said, it doesn't even have to be, like, my brain just turned off. It doesn't have to be like a <laughs> condemnation of Elaine Vigneault's like entire hockey career. Like it doesn't have to be that he's bad. It's just not working. So that means that you get fired. That's how it works. That's how it works when you're an NHL head coach. If things start to not work, you get fired. He knows that. Everybody knows that. So now it's time to fire him, bring in somebody else, preferably not Rick Tockett, but whatever. <laughs> um and and then you see what happens, but it has to be done now. Like they can't wait because if they wait anymore, the season's going to be gone. You know what the wild thing about this is? Like part the reason why I, I'm I'm more and more thinking that like I just don't I I think the Flyers are, are slow or very quickly moving into the position where like I just don't know if they if they're going to have a choice. Like. I don't know if they're going to have a choice to do anything but make a coaching change. Because, like, it's just spiraling so fast. The team is playing so poorly objectively. Like, this isn't just bad luck. They're actually getting crushed. And it's just, it, it you're getting closer and closer to the point where, like, I just don't know what else they can do. That said, like, if I'm still not totally ruling out the possibility that this, that, like, this could get turned around. Because, like, if you, if you, if you flip flop the coaching staff, and you you hit on the right guy, you just find you just find the right person to be your coach that fits these players. You get Ellison Hayes back. Carter Hart's still playing good. Like there is a path to fixing this. I just don't know if the path can include this coaching staff because it just doesn't seem like they have any of the answers to fix the biggest problem with this team, which is structurally they're kind of a mess. If you can fix that, there's other stuff coming that could potentially turn this around. But if you're getting outshot, you know, 35 to 25 every game and you're losing the expected goals battle 4 to 2.8, like it's nothing's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Is there anyone out there that interests you? I, I mean, like Boudreau. Boudreaux is intriguing yeah. because Fletcher's already hired him once. I want um, him so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I want Boudreaux so That's bad. Top of my list is Boudreaux. Ham, baby! Me Thanksgiving too. ham! <laughs> Bring it home. Oh, all it is I funny, though. Chris- I, mean, I mean, obviously, the, the, big, the big complaint around Boudreaux is lack of playoff success, which, of course, I mean, that's going to get brought up. He'll fit yeah, right in here. Flyers fans. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, at this point, Perfect. Like, you know, at this point, he just, can relate to our players. Just get right? to the get to the playoffs. Get this him and the fucking Claude Giroux can just hang out. Like, oh man, <laughs> talk no, about I mean, all Boudreaux, the best golf spots. Boudreaux okay. is a guy who, like, I I am confident is a good coach. Um, I just don't know. I don't know where that is with him and Fletcher. Like, he didn't hi- he didn't fire Boudreaux. Fletcher got fired, and Boudreaux got fired. I believe kind of like around the same time they got let go around the same time. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the exact timeline there. Um, I don't know, you know, if they butted heads, like I didn't cover the Minnesota wild during that period. I, I don't know what their relationship was like, but like, I do think Boudreaux is a good coach. He's out there, you know, 
Claude Julian, I do believe, is a good coach. He would probably coach a pretty boring style, but I think he's a good coach who coaches good system play, which, I mean, the Flyers certainly seem to need right now. Even Tockett, like, I, who the hell knows? Like, you know, maybe he's the Flyers. Maybe he's the Flyers' Craig Berube, okay? I was going to say, fair nobody enough. thought Berube you know, could coach. Fair enough. Fair enough. He, yeah. he, got, he got stuff out of the Coyotes, and we know what the coyotes are like. Did he get stuff out of them? I yeah. Alright. Didn't they make the playoffs once? Alright. Did he did he coach that team in the playoffs once? I mean who you know who the hell knows? It's it's NHL coaches and the, the coyotes are a dumpster fire beyond dumpster yeah. fires. So like I'm not gonna bury Rick Tockett because he couldn't turn the friggin' Arizona Coyotes into a winner. He could be a good coach and we always say that like, you know, coaches a lot of times they're better the second time around. Maybe he no. would be better the second time around. You're you typically, maybe and it and it it, it would make it would make the um you know the like they don't treat the Flyers alumni well people oh, like that God. would be that would be an inter- that'd be an interesting um oh even know, better that narrative to hire and a Flyers alumni as the new coach that'd be kind of funny I would I would enjoy that yeah so the the, the Coyotes made the playoffs once under Tockett. Um, I don't know if it was the, it was the, the COVID year, but I don't know if they would have made it if <laughs> co if, if like they didn't expand the playoffs. All right. I'm we not have to take sure a, about that. We have to take a quick break. I have a few more questions about coaches, uh, and then we'll, I'll probably find something else to yell about. We'll, uh, we'll be back. I'm in sure a you will. All right, fam, we are back. Uh, I have a few more questions about coaches. Um, are we pot like I would love I would love if they were to like identify a young guy that they're like he's going to be our coach for but like that it, it it's not football like that doesn't always happen in hockey it's usually that. yeah it's usually <laughs> exactly it, it, they did it, try it, that with Chris Knobloch I forgot about Chris Knobloch and that yeah, was a thing lucky for a while. you that was a thing for a while yeah. Chuck Chuck yeah. Knobloch so so it, it'll probably be a retread style coach uh, this is hockey, after all. Um, if you no, that was sh- one thing that that was one thing I, I do want to jump in. That was one thing that some people have been like, well, if they if they were to fire Vino and fire the coaches, have like they would just pick an interim and it'd be one of the other guys we hate. Like, they can't do that. If you're if you're going to fire Elaine Vino midseason, this has to be a Peter Laviolette situation. Like, Are th- you this this can, hold- this cannot be a Scott Gordon. This has to be because at that point, like if if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna fire Vino and you're just gonna toss an interim in there, like whether it's Mike Yo or hilariously if it's Ian Laperriere, which are, like uh, that would honestly be Charlie, the funniest thing. Those ever. were that my, would be the funniest thing. Those ever. were the questions I was gonna ask to you. Would you prefer Yo or Lappy? <laughs> I've seen a those, lot of that. Those were my. <laughs> but the thing is, like if if you do that. Then you can't. You can't. You probably like at that point. You're just if you do that, you're basically saying that I give up. We we are tanking for Shane Wright. That's what we're doing. Yeah. If if you're and and maybe you know maybe that's the right move. But if you're trying to sell that like we're trying to fix this on the fly, you would have to move on from Vino and immediately replace him with a coach that comes with cachet like the Flyers did when they fired John Stevens and replaced him with, uh, with yeah. Peter Laviolette midway yeah. through the 29th, 2009-2010. You have to do that. That's the only option. If you're trying to like sell the fans that you have designs on salvaging the season. I was just... I Because I joked early in the season about how Rick Tockett 
was gonna replace uh was gonna replace A V at the same point in December, Laviolette came in for Stevens and I was just trying to look up the date. I was just trying to look up the well. date and uh it's uh it's real close. So um <laughs> I was I was at that game, the final game before Stevens got fired. And I remember walking out of that game. It was I believe it was a Vancouver Canucks game. And I remember walking out of the game with my buddy and being like, you know, that's the kind of game that gets a coach fired. <laughs> <laughs> that's dude, when I saw when I saw there was no practice today, I was like, all right, this is this is it. This is it. Like this is it. Wait for that. Press I'm gonna wake up. Email. I'm gonna wake up to a notification like, "Yo, there's a press conference," and it's not yeah. that. So, with things spiraling in this direction, the team just listless and lost on the ice. Um, like they just got the shit kicked out of them by the Devils. I don't care what the score said. They got beat up real bad. Um, they didn't play well. Is it happening? Like, do no, you think it not. happens in the next? Do you think there's a new coach before we record this show again? I I would say no. Yeah. I don't think it I don't think it would happen that soon. But at the same time, like their next three games are against are really brutal. good teams. Like the Rangers were for a while in the beginning of the year, the Rangers were winning, but they were getting outshot and outchance. They've kind of figured that out, and now they're starting to outshoot and outchance the other teams, and they're still winning. So they're pretty good. And they have, like, one of the goalies who might actually be better than Carter Hart. Um, then you get Tampa and Colorado back-to-back. So, like, if they lose nine straight, which is a very, very legitimate possibility, I don't know. I don't know if the coaches survive that because that's a pretty, like, it's a pretty embarrassing thing. You lose nine straight. You know, that, that was why I feel like for the coaches, they have, like, the Devils game was so big. Because, like, if you win that game, at least then it's, like, it's not a losing streak anymore. Things are still bad. But at least it's not like that, you know, that big number just keeps getting bigger. And the players lost that game. And now they're they're getting three more really tough games before the schedule eases up a bit. So if you lose nine straight, I don't know. I guess all bets are off, right? Where's that little uh, there's like a three day break in early. Well, that's later. That's later this week. Oh, that's right. That's that's right now. That's right after after the Rangers game. After the Rangers game. Yeah. Okay. Could be then. Well, good time. I mean, it it could happen. I think that it's much more likely to happen before the end of the year than before we record next. The thing that's fucked is that if this Rangers game is somehow not a disaster, it's just going to buy them time. I don't know. Or God forbid the Tampa Colorado games aren't because those are good teams. See, the thing is, is like... If the Flyers figure it out, that's a good thing. Now, like, granted, if they win the next three games because Carter Hart because Carter Hart saves 45 shots in each of the games and they win three straight, like, that's not good. But, like, if the Flyers were to fix the five-on-five process and the power play started miraculously playing better, like, that's a good thing. That's That really is what we all want. It's just I don't think it's terribly likely, especially given the competition they're playing. But, like... People should still want this team to win. If, if let me put it high. this way: if yes. if things if things are as bad, this is what I, I've always said about people being like, "Well, should we just root for the team to lose?" If things are as bad structurally and fundamentally as you think they are, then what you want is going to happen eventually, because at some point, anyone in higher up is going to just be like, 
yeah, I can't deny it anymore. This is so bad. A move has to be made. But so like, is... if you if, if you th- if you're right and the team is as broken as you think, like the coaches are going to get fired at some point in the relatively near future. But if you're is... wrong and the team fixes it, then they're not going to get fired. But like that ain't a bad thing. This is where it, this is where that process over results conversation comes in. If they quote unquote fix it because they win a couple of games because Carter Hart goes nuts or they start shooting at a ridiculous percentage yeah, I agree for two that. weeks I agree again. That. Like, that's not actually fixing things. And it gets to my bigger issue. Like, overall, this team is so far from winning a Stanley Cup just based on pure talent that, like, I don't see a path forward. So that's the, the question I wanted to get to here is, what players on this team have a dynamic skill? Not even, like, multiple, like, oh, they're a great player. Like, oh, shit, he's got a great shot, or man, he's fast. G has passing vision IQ. True, yeah. Risto is fucking huge. Um, anybody yeah, else Dynamic have, skill, I'm does, sorry. Is <laughs> being big a dynamic no, skill? No, th- that was, that, it was, <laughs> I was, I was trying to lighten okay. the mood here. Okay, uh, <laughs> but, but, like, at least. Sean Couturier crushes souls. Yeah, he he his his own look crushed when he looked behind him and saw the fucking puck in the net last night. Um, I, I'm okay. Well, Coots as a one C, I'm kind of over. Like they need someone uh, to play above him, but we'll get to that at a, a later date. Um, oh my, oh my god. Let's okay. say let's wow. say Sean Couturier's his his overall play is yeah, a dynamic. I would, I would say hockey hockey IQ is yeah. Let's hockey say is He's let's very, very say he has a dynamic skill. I just named two guys. Anyone else? I mean, I think Cam Atkinson has a legitimately plus shot. I think he's a he's he a shoots a lot, very good shooter. No, I think he's I think he's got a good shot. I think he can beat goalies clean. Um, There's f- at least yeah. fifty guys in the league with more goals than him. I mean, yeah, but like, that's a terrible argument. I was gonna say, are you talking about the guy with a great guys? shot doesn't score a lot? Like, I don't. No, wait, how Patrick, is that a bad? Yeah, argument? I think he has more goals than Patrick Laine, and Patrick Laine has probably the best shot in hockey. Like, goal scorers are streaky. The shit. Happens. Are you are you asking? Do the Flyers have any players that are like top three at anything in the league? Because no, no, of they course don't. Not, but we do, do they have, have players with skill, like a skill that helps you accomplish the goal of winning hockey games. Yeah, I mean, they better they than do. the opponent. They do. Like, a lot of the guys in this team have legitimately strong skills. Do they have high-end, hyper-dynamic skills? No. Yeah, and dynamic that's why ability. This, that, that, no, but, like, I, I mean, I guess this is just a, a debate on semantics. Because, like, yeah, like, I is is Travis Konechny's skating ability dynamic? I think he's a very good skater. Is he, like, anywhere close to Connor McDavid? No, of course not. So, like, it really just depends on what level. Like, I think Travis Sanheim is a very good skater when he's not falling down. But, like, is he, like, Kale McCarr An levels? No, he's not. So it's really more of a semantics argument of, like, what do you consider to be dynamic? Now, I'm in agreement that the Flyers absolutely need or at the very least could seriously benefit from a true dynamic player that makes other teams' defenses have to keep track of him at all times. They don't have that guy. Sean Gattari is their best all-around player. He's not that guy. Claude Drew at one time was that guy. He's not that guy anymore. The closest thing they have to a guy like that is Carter Hart, and when your goalie's that guy, like, yeah, I mean, they can study tape on a goalie. That's what you do. Um, it's one of the reasons why I advocated for them to to take a real run of Vladimir Tarasenko, because it was like, okay, that's a buy low of a guy who is that guy, where at all times a defense has to be aware of where he is on the ice when he's 
out there for a shift or out there for the power play because he can do something crazy and make you look stupid. So I agree the Flyers should be chasing down a guy like that. It's hard to get them, but yeah, they should try to get one of them because at the the very least, it would help the power play out a lot because the power play, well, the coaching staff doesn't have the answers. I do think there is a personnel problem there in the sense that they don't have a guy that defenses and penalty kills actually have to worry about it. I personally... I personally loved Sandheim in the bumper spot last night. I thought that was something special, truly. At least it was something like, different. Like, I mean, that he completely is such... flubbed the pass from Morgan Frost, but yeah. I, like, sure. You know what? Well, that's they why got, it was special. They got the play there. It almost worked. Shit, you tried something. Like, I love a coaching staff that is so desperate and so out of ideas. They try something that they know isn't going to work. Like, we tried it, though. Like, I, I really appreciate that level of effort there from the coaches. Well, the Flyers' dynamic player is Johnny Goudreau. We're just, you know, waiting on the transfer. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with Charlie in that it's it's a question, of, it, it's an argument of semantics. So when you say dynamic skill, I don't think Carter Hart, but when you think of who's the most talented player on the team or who's one of the most talented players on the team, of course I think of Carter Hart. So I think it's just the word dynamic. That's Carter kind of Hart right weird. now is the only guy I can see a legitimate argument for over the last however many years that is even comparable to Giroux in terms of, like, overall good player. Jake Voracek, all right, maybe. And Carter Hart. Those are the only ones I think are close to... After all this time, it's still Giroux is the best player on this team. And it's unbelievable that they haven't been able to find anybody close. Joel Farabee might be one day, but he ain't there yet. Nah, he's not there he's yet. He's not there yet. He's, and I don't think he's, he's gonna working. Get there. I think he's, he's gonna working, be a good player, but, but I, I don't think but, he's ever gonna get like, to levels. I guess oh, at this age, maybe we saw it with G, but like early on, I don't know if any of us were like, oh, he's a stud. Like he looked real nice. I I, I did. <laughs> the royal we, okay, Charlie. Charlie. We see you. The royal <laughs> us. Like everyone liked what Giroux could be, but when they get rid of Richards and Carter and it's like, oh yeah, he had 76 points. Let's see, being the only guy on the team, how that works. And then of course, the rest is history. Claude Giroux, one of the best flyers of all time. I don't know how many people were confident that would be the case. That's my case for Farabee. Perhaps he could surprise us. Um, How many of the guys right now would you say are even building blocks? Um, I mean, pretty much the young, all, Farabee all the young and Hart. guys, I think. Yeah, Farabee and Hart, um, you know, beyond beyond those two, those two are obvious. Um, I mean, it's it's tough with somebody like Konechny because, like, I do think he can be a core piece, but he's also just, like, if you're going to make trades, he's always been that kind of guy where, like, he can get you something, and I don't think he's ever been untouchable. Um, you know, Provorov is... Provorov like Provorov's a nice second pair defenseman yeah I mean I've look I've held to my belief on what Provorov is for quite a while and this year to me is proving it even further Ivan Provorov is a number two defenseman because you've Uh seen it this year he started out the season he was paired with Ryan Ellis he looked real good that pair looked real good Provorov looked like a new guy then Ryan Ellis goes down and Provorov for the first like week, two weeks after Ellis went down, he still pretty much looked like that guy. It was almost like he was still like kind of like living off the confidence he had already developed by being with a good defenseman. And then 
it just kind of petered out, and now he looks like the guy from last season. And it's just, it's it, to me, it's just such a no-brainer that he's the kind of guy where if you put him with a, a really good partner, he will play and give you first-pair quality results. If you don't, he's going to look over Mash, and he's going to do some of the stuff that you saw, particularly last night against the Devils when he looked really bad. But he hasn't looked good for, for quite a few weeks, and, now, to be honest. And because hockey is a contact sport in which guys get hurt all the time, and it is a really long schedule, he's not a first pair. If you need a number one to just look like a number two, which this is a hilarious statement, I realize, but bear with me. If you need a number one next to you to look like a number two, you're actually not that. Like, Ivan Provorov is a second pair defenseman. Yeah, you can get by with him on your top pair, but he he just ain't good enough. Like, we've been watching him long enough now. If he was going to be a star, he would be. He isn't. If I have to go get somebody every time to hold his hand and get the Uh results we need out of him, it ain't him. So they need two defensemen to put ahead of him, not just one. And then, hey, if that number one gets hurt, you can bump Provorov up, and now you have depth. But they have none of that. Uh, They have Ryan Ellis, who I I don't know if he's ever going to fucking play again. We'll see. Uh, All right, drama. Where is he? No one knows. I'm... Sleeping. I mean, we've already we've already noted that that Bill is in full burn everything to the ground mode. So no, listen, I, I think I, if I you're not, it. you're nuts. <laughs> like, well, no one has ever claimed that I'm. Saying, I just had so. a really depressing thought. So, oh no, my entire tenure as a Flyers fan, which goes back to Eric Lindros and the 1995-96 season, the Flyers have had. Always one or two exceptionally good players that they have literally never built a team around. They never built a team around Lindros. They never built a team around Richards and Carter. And when I'm saying never built a team, I'm saying like a team good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Like they never yeah. put together a full picture around guys. And now they've done it with Drew. Drew is an exceptional hockey player. They have literally never been able to put together anything even close to a supporting cast that would get this team where it needs to be. What the fuck is that about? That's like I mean, 30 yeah. years. I mean, it's a real... Well, they, haven't won, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1975. So it's like, a real... For everyone dying for the Snyder age back, like, yeah, it was more yeah, fun to be a Flyers fan... But like yeah. they did a lot of the same dumb shit. Now, they didn't do like they go out, either. yeah, they go out and get a Chris Gratton, but like you know maybe giving the two C ten million up front and then expecting him to be a superstar was was foolish. Um, I want to just I, wrap I think, up. I think there's I think there's a case. I would actually want to jump on that. I think there's a strong case to be made that the Flyers haven't gotten dumber in terms of, like, the quality of moves they make. It's just that they no longer have the ability to buy their way out of Yeah, that is absolutely correct, yes. 100%. That, like, it's, it's, it, that is, it's, not, it's not like they've, they've gotten more incompetent. It's just that before, they could be incompetent, and they could just throw more money at the problem and be fine. And now, it's not even a matter of cheapness. They're just not allowed to anymore. So now it's more obvious to see their screw-ups. Do we do we want to talk about the Nate Thompson thing with with Alex Appleyard? Because I do. Oh fuck! I mean, yeah, I'll talk Wait, about if it. If you that. want it, let's go. All right. I mean, he, he does write for I my think website. It's funny so. that he deleted it. 
Because well, I mean, that was Nate Thompson. That's that why. was that was, uh, that was and was all these people, clear. all these people piling on, and not even Nate Thompson. Because you know what, Nate Thompson got hurt that night, and like he's he's in a different state of mind. He's pissed off. Here's this kid talking shit, not even talking shit, just evaluating him as a bad hockey player, which he is by NHL standards. That like the fact that you're old and that you can outskate me is not a ringing endorsement of your ability to play in the NHL. It just means you can outskate the fucking podcast host and like, <laughs> oh, yeah, my career started before you could walk. That's an argument against you, dummy. Like there's 19-year-olds in the league fucking winning MVP. And, oh, well, I started playing a long time ago. Nate Thompson should be the coach when all when this all happens. Because <laughs> the entire give, league give seems to respect him so much. On Twitter. Give background uh, for people who aren't on Twitter. So Alex Appleyard put out a tweet. Uh, basically, he writes for Charlie's website yeah, for people who don't yeah. know who he is. He tweeted basically something exactly like I said to myself. Uh, if if any other player, like if a if a Morgan Frost or a young player had the style of turnover uh, in the defensive zone, straight up the middle, no thought to it whatsoever, that Nate Thompson did repeatedly in the Carolina game, they would be out of the lineup for the foreseeable future. While Nate Thompson keeps getting shifts because he's got gray hairs in his beard. And then Nate Thompson saw this through a name it. search. Yes, he clearly was. Someone snitched. No, no, someone snitch tagged him. Actually. Oh, someone snitch tagged him. It was a snitch. Too, it was a snitch yeah. tag. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is, oh, by the way, the snitch tag. Yeah, that's the worst. What the fuck is wrong with worst. you if you're doing that? You're a pansy. Like, and, 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 and also, yeah. No, and, and you know what? Honestly, snitch tags suck on multiple levels because number one, it's just a shitty thing to do. Period. Because, like, you're just trying to create drama. Number two, and I say this as someone who gets like people like like, subtweeting me sometimes and acting like I'm, like, a fucking asshole or whatever. Like, if someone is subtweeting me and talking about, like, criticizing the shit out of me and being, like, just nasty for the sake of being nasty, like, I don't want to fucking see it. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. don't snitch tag me. I don't want to see it. I probably have that person muted for my own mental health. So don't fucking snitch tag me. I don't want to see that shit. And if I'm a player, I don't want to see that shit either. Yeah, Nate Thomas is not going to fuck you I completely you agree. tweets to him. Just FYI. <laughs> no one thinks you're cool because it, like, Nate Thompson saw your tweet. I, you know, Nate, like, I have my issues with him as a player. And like I said, he got injured that night. And so perhaps state yeah, of mind no, there. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, but that, everybody take into account, like, these guys are human beings. Yeah. Everybody around the league who's piling on, like, yeah, you tell that little shit. Like, you're a fucking loser. If you piled on to that. I think you're a fucking loser. Like, it's unbelievable. The, I don't, not even entitlement, just the, the idea that first you should be tagging Nate Thompson if you want to talk shit on him. No, that's not how journalism or writing or evaluations work. Someone's putting a thought out. We're making tweets. All of us shit talk hockey players on Twitter. That's literally how most of us spend half the fucking day. I don't need to, like, snitch tag Claude Giroux. If I think that he did something wrong, why would I do that? That's and just yeah, I mean, to, I mean to, to, yeah. Can I kind of jump in there for a second? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. number one about Alex, like I don't think there was anything wrong with Alex's tweet. Like was no, it? No, I think 
like, like, no, like, like, no, I mean, was it was it pointed criticism? Yeah, it was. But like, I don't think it was unfair. It's not like he was cursing him out. He was just being very, very critical of a player who he doesn't think is a very good NHL player. And he was also being critical of a coaching staff that I don't think he thinks is a very good NHL coaching staff. And, like, that's fair. That's completely Alex's right to express that belief. Now, by the same token, I understand Nate Thompson, you know, had a pretty friggin' awful day, okay? He made multiple mistakes that led to goals, and then the game ends with him probably separating his shoulder, and he's probably going to be out for weeks, if not months. And he comes home. He's in probably the worst mood in the world, and he probably flips open his laptop or turns on his phone, and he's got this snitch tag of someone who's pointing out how bad he is. And... I completely understand yeah. why he would he would blow his top. Like these players are human beings and sometimes you're just having an awful day and you just need to just like blow off some steam on the first person you see who's giving you shit. I get that. Like to me, that's all this was. This was Alex being critical of a player that he thinks is deserving of criticism, and then a guy in Nate Thompson, who by all accounts is a good dude, who just had enough on that particular day of everything and just was just like, screw this. I'm blowing off some steam on this person who I don't know. Like it happens. Now I'm with you that like all the people who jump on it and like, yeah, Yeah. go get them. They like, that's stupid. But, but like the two people involved in this, like Alex obviously writes for us on a freelance basis. So like I back him, but like, I don't think Nate Thompson is like an irredeemable person for ripping on Alex. I think he just like lost his temper. It happens. I understand Thompson. It's just, like, the idea of the criticism at Alex is what really drives me nuts. Like, uh, well, I played and you did it, therefore you you have no say. Like, how come Wayne Gretzky isn't the best coach of all time then? Like, how many records does Elaine Vigneault hold? Like, how many fucking... Like, it, it's just... Uh, it's asinine. It's just saying, like, well, I'm good at one thing, so clearly I'm good at so many things. You are not. You play in the NHL, which means you can play hockey. Congratulations. That's it. You can't evaluate shit. You know, like, how many guys, like, oh, yeah, he should be on the team. He's my buddy. He fucking stinks. How often do we see that shit? Like, ah, it's just, the whole thing just drove me nuts. You know what, what it boils down to, and this is, you know, something that, like, I think we all probably need to except this is like i mean twitter is just a shitty place especially when the when the team is doing poorly because like i'm with you bill in that like it was really shitty when you saw people you know jumping on the like you know yeah nay you tell that you know that 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 asshole that that writer that media person they don't know what they're talking about like yeah like that's that's ridiculous but by the same time and like those are the people that probably like are more like of the you know traditionalist you know hockey players are tough nate's nate thompson's a valuable player that kind of stuff that sucks It also equally sucks from the opposite side of the aisle when Nate Thompson gets injured and is probably going to be out for months. And then you have people being like, good, I'm glad he's injured. He sucks. I'm glad he's out. And that's so, so, and like, and it's just those people are terrible. All this tells us, yeah, all this tells us that like Twitter is a cesspool mostly. Sure. Like, we probably shouldn't take it nearly as seriously. And that's, and that's, I'm glad you pointed that part out because if that's your opinion, you are also a fucking loser. Like, if you're happy someone got hurt, you're a dickhead. I don't like you. Like so it it does absolutely work both ways. All right, do we have anything else? No, I just thought this whole situation was funny. I think players should tweet more often. <laughs> <laughs> That's like giving very, all the drama. All the I drama. Had, I, I just had, think it's funny. I had very little issue with Nate. 
other than like what he does on the ice deserves criticism. Yeah, what he deserves on the ice deserves criticism. Uh, If he wanted to retire and become the team's coach, I'd be all for it. Because apparently everybody in the whole fucking league respects him. Anyone who's ever laced up skates respects him. So if he wants to be the coach, it seems like a good fit. Uh, We need one. Yeah, we're going to need one in a week, I hope. Hope maybe in an hour. I don't know. We'll see. All right. um, Who can say? I think we're safe. For tonight, at least. I don't uh, see the Flyers making, like, a midnight coaching change. Like if Charlie they fucking... We'll publish tomorrow, and 15 minutes later, they'll make a coaching change. If they fucking... If they have the gall to fire Elaine right after we publish, I'm gonna get in a fist fight with somebody. <laughs> Are you you're gonna drive to Voorhees be like, Chuck! No! No, it'll be like some asshole at Wawa, probably, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all right. So that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. And then while you're there, push the Daria review down so so, oh God. so Kelly doesn't have... I took it as a compliment. I love Daria. Uh, we love Daria here. Yeah. The wording right, of yeah, it is y- not... Y- yeah. yeah. Whatever. You, but no, he was also very rude to me and women and... Fuck that guy. You can usually Don't read, read be- the reviews. You can usually read mm-hmm. between the lines on the reviews. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that's it. That's all the time. Subscribe, rate, review, etc. My name is Bill Matz for Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>